Trident. Wow. Well, right. I mean, I think uh, giving away Trident always seems to work. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Hey, uh, hey, it's uh, we missed Monday. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, it's a holiday. Uh, if it's any consolation, I have some sun. Not from yesterday. It was rainy. It was rainy as all get out yesterday. Mm. But uh, yeah. yeah, it was a good long weekend. It's been a rainy, cold, cold, cold uh, uh, fall or spring for us. Yeah, it's uh, ridiculous. All right, so hey, man, we're gonna start off a couple things. Uh, first off. We uh, told, uh, well, I didn't think we told anybody, but we are uh, giving away a trident over on the hashtag AskBeersTV group. Yeah, so, Adam okay. posted it uh, last week. So if you want to get it, if you want to get your chance to get into the trident, and we've got this little overlay here, go to the AskBeersTV Facebook group and look for this little announcement post at the top. Uh, you have until Friday next week to join the group and like and comment uh, on this post. It's at the, at the top of the group. And uh, if you're not a, a member of the group, this is your time to get in and try to get a trident. Those so. things are hard to come by. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. So, if those of you who don't know, you just go to Facebook, search for hashtag AskBeersTV. It's a private group. Uh, where we answer questions all day for everybody and uh, if you join it you can now get a uh, trident but more importantly there are about 13,000 people in there mm -hmm. and uh, of those 13,000 people like seven to eight thousand of them interact and help people every single day every day uh, yesterday <laughs> I posted a, I think it was yesterday I posted a post about the some U, a UV question about whether or not you use UV with uh, uh, or bare people's experiments or experience with bare bottoms in UV. Yeah. Mine's been actually pretty positive. I've never really used UV for very many tanks, but with bare bottoms, all of a sudden, man, I'm seeing an actual value. Something we'll probably talk about in the future. Yeah. But boom, man, like 200 people chimed in with their experience on it, and it was overwhelmingly the same as mine. Yeah. And you know, like ah, you know, <laughs> like ah, you know, and you don't know it yet, but uh, actually. There's six tanks that are over here. They're all going to get a UV experiment on them uh, coming up here in like nice. uh, next weeks. So, like based on that experiment or that experience in the group, bam! Let's like actually find test. out the answer to this question. Yeah. Uh, I'm interested. Clearly, 200 people were that's interested cool. like instantly. I mean, that's a big purchase. Uh, you know, I mean, when you talk, start looking at the you know the cost of UVs and if the benefits are are really there, mm -hmm. uh, you know, justifying that three, two, three hundred dollar piece of UV equipment just to add on. Uh, I can really start to make that case for my tank, especially if I see the same so success. I almost never did it yeah. uh, because, like, it's it's like a it's a piece of a, a piece of equipment. And I don't want to get hung on that because we have other stuff to talk about today, yeah. but uh, it's a piece of optional filtration for right. your water, right? right, right. And uh, you know, it's largely talked about keeping your fish and whatever healthy, but. Really, there seems to be like a lot of ancillary benefits associated with all kinds of other pests in the tank. Mm. And that's kind of where I think the conversation will actually go and you'll be able to definitively show actual results. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, there's a lot of anecdotal results, uh, you know, 200 of them. Let's actually see something in a more of a controlled environment. That's kind of what we're That's talking cool. about today here. We got our pH tanks. For those of you that didn't watch it last Friday, we released the results of three months of uh, pH growth in these tanks mm -hmm. here. Uh, and uh, I'm also going to tell you about uh, a little secret uh, about something we're going to do with amino acids in these very tanks here in just a minute as well. <laughs> so we've got all kinds of stuff today. We've got tridents and man, of course, we got four days left in all of our giveaways. Man. Yeah. So become a preferred reefer and uh, giveaway stuff. We 
for those of you who don't know, I don't know, you've been hiding under a rock or something maybe, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's been uh, Mr. Chili's anniversary all month, and so if you sign up to be a preferred reefer, you can win every single day. Go, go ahead with that one. Yeah, so uh, I pick, every day I go back and pick four winners' uh, orders off of the line randomly, random mm -hmm. part, random time of the day, and I fill out one of these cards and slide it into uh, the catalog that comes in open your order. Catalog. So if you're getting your order, uh, make sure you open up the catalog. You might find one of these little four cards in there. For a day, uh, and there's four days left of this uh, promotion, and we've given away $26,743 so far this month, yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, you guys could be next. So we actually haven't even done today's yet, so there's today's going to today. be out, and then all mm -hmm. the way to the end of the month. Uh, also, you get 10x rewards. So uh, on all the BRS products, and some other guys that are taking advantage or taking participating with the sale as well. So if you join, you can earn 10% back on the stuff you get, and you can also get it free. And wait, there's more. Uh, yeah, there's one more. <laughs> and you don't even have to buy anything, man. Just throw no. the stuff in your wish list, up yeah. to 500 bucks, and uh, we pull one of those every day, four for the next four days. So. Yep. Maybe you want that trident, you want to double up your win, you can go there or you can just add a trident. You just can't put a trident in your card. Uh, in your wish list? I don't know oh, if your you wish can. List, you if it's can. out of stock, you yeah, can. Yeah, out of stock, I'm you pretty can. sure you can. So you put that trident in your wish list and uh, then, uh, you know, hopefully you'll win the points to buy. And there you go. Yeah. So, you know, in the past like, few weeks, man, I named all these people off, man, and there's just so many, I'm not going to bore you to death with all of them, man. It's a full week's worth of winners. Yeah, there's a whole week's worth of, of winners in here. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, I will just say that there is Chris won 56 bucks, Chaz 56 bucks, Bob 38, Chad 38, Keith 59, Christopher 500 bucks, Boom. man, Sheldon 279, Joshua 169, or no, Ryan 169, Joshua 137. I mean, they just go on and on. And, Wishlist winners. You know, so there's tons and tons of them. Again, 20, almost 27,000 dollars worth this month. Uh, John Eldwood, though, in the wish list, man, people caught on. 500 bucks? Yeah, 500 bucks, man. He's got uh, just whatever he wants to buy in his wish list. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jonathan uh, Goodwin, 500 bucks, man, whatever he wants in his Sweet. wish list. Uh, Richard Kavanaugh, 51 bucks. Uh, Jay uh, uh, Mercido, uh, 485 bucks. Right on the verge. Yep. Joel, 69, or Vivian, Joel, 69 bucks. Benjamin Dare, 500 bucks. Uh, Leonard Householder, 199.99. Yeah, so you can, uh, so in your wish list, you don't have to get right up to 500 bucks. You can go over 500 bucks. We're just, if we choose you, you're just gonna get 500 bucks back. So you could have several thousand in there if you wanted to. All right, so that's the last time you're gonna hear that from us because uh, by the next week, this thing will be over. So join your wish list, become a preferred reefer. It's your last chance to win all this stuff for free. Uh, hopefully you guys do it. If not, sure. uh, maybe like fully play in full price, and I appreciate that more than you know. <laughs> Thank you for your contribution. Uh, all right, so last week, man, this is what today's all about, is uh, we did all these pH tanks. And mm -hmm. so for those of you that didn't watch, uh, more or less, uh, you know, we've all been told to raise the pH of our tanks and, you know, corals will grow better or mm -hmm. healthier or whatnot. Yeah. I think I bet you 80% of reefers out there like have no real uh, knowledge as to you know why they would be or you know why would they even do it? Does it even matter, man? You right. know? A lot of our a lot of pH swings. I sure I monitor pH. I've monitored pH in the past, but I've just monitored it. 
I haven't like actually targeted something specific unless it was low. Mm -hmm. uh, but the you know the differences in the pHs here, uh, the 7.8 versus the 8.3, was inside of my natural fluctuation for my tank, and I have nothing I really concerned myself with. Yeah, I would say the same thing. In the past, I'm gonna tell you something a little different uh, after these results. But in the past, I would tell you that. Like, don't mess with your pH, man. As long as you're in 7.8 and 8.3, and just like, you're probably more likely to screw your tank up than you are anything, yeah. right? Especially because most of the methods, there's people who are running around using pH buffer up. Oh yeah. You know, or yeah, deluxe, yeah. pH, Adding super more to your awesome tank. container. Yeah. You know, and so what happens is those are all alkalinity additives, and you just keep dumping in alkalinity, trying to raise your pH, and it's only temporary. Mm -hmm. uh, and before you know it, man, the pH in my uh, I got so much alkalinity in the tank, and this is kind of a, a you know newbie issue because most of us should be testing our alkalinity and caught this somewhere, yeah. but it happened all the time. And one of the parts that people didn't catch a lot was the pH buffer up for deluxe. Super Mega mm -hmm. uh, usually contains like borate salts in there that will raise the pH of your tank and is a component of alkalinity, but it's not carbonated, and so it tricks our test kits. Our, for those of you who don't know, our test kits are predominantly measuring the amount of carbonate or mm -hmm. alkalinity test kits, and I won't get super deep into that, but like this tricks it. And so, yeah. you're dosing products that have borate in them. Uh, you know, especially excessive amounts to raise the pH. You're just more likely to screw things up. So it, it tricks it in the way, in the to the point that it's reading. I'll get a low alkalinity reading, even though my alkalinity with borates in it is actually super high. Yeah. So I'll clarify. You're a good good point. So what it will do is, if I say it might take one of these tanks here, if I read a DKH at nine, mm -hmm. almost all of that is in the form of carbonate or bicarbonate alkalinity. Right. 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 If I dump a bunch of borate pH buffer deluxe in there and it reads nine, there's a good chance that only, you know, three or four of my DKH is actually carbonate or bicarbonate alkalinity. Five of it's borate that the tank uh, doesn't really have a whole lot of use for. Okay. But it's tricking me into thinking that I have a lot of yeah. alkalinity or carbonate or bicarbonate alkalinity. Makes sense. And that bicarbonate alkalinity is what's helped create, you know, uh, calcium carbonate for yeah. our, our coral skeleton structure. So there's better ways or other ways that we can like target pH versus dumping pH buffer deluxe in there, right? Like yep. opening windows, adding air uh, skimmers, CO2 scrubbers, refugiums, all this whole nine stuff like that too. Yeah, so uh, like it's, it's really hard to grasp and I, and I saw a lot of people asking questions about it on the various, uh, you know, forums and uh, Ask PHTB and the, mm -hmm. and the questions on the video itself. and like assuming that you maintain a decent alkalinity in your tank, the number one cause by a mountain of low pH is carbo or, uh, CO2 in the air in your house, hmm. right? It's and you like people are like, what the CO2 in my air in my house is affecting the tank? It's a glass and air and water don't mix, and that's wrong, man. They actually do. Yeah. And so what happens is the uh, CO2 in the air, you know, finds an equilibrium with the water and the amount of CO2 that's in the water and the CO2 in the water then forms carbonic acid and lowers the pH of the tank. Okay. Right? And so, like, if we lower the, lower the CO2 in the household, the tank's pH, we lower the amount of carbonic acid in the tank, the pH goes up. Yeah. Right? All right. So, the easiest ways to do that and, and to test this for sure to, be know, to know if this is your problem, Open up a window. Open up a window. Go open a couple of windows in the in the house, mm -hmm. and uh, if you watch the tank's pH rise o over the next 24 hours, that was your problem. See, I, right? used to, mm -hmm. I used to just 
because here it's hard to open a window sometimes depending on the weather. It's all weather, weather dependent. Yep. But I just uh, flip on, I had a downstairs bathroom that had an exhaust fan mm -hmm. and I'd run that thing all the time. Just let the exhaust fan run all the time. So you're exhausting some out, you're pulling, pulling some out and then the drafty house is probably pulling in oxygen from outside, but same yep. thing. So air exchangers on, on newer houses do that. Mm -hmm. I will tell you that blowing air in and out, you gotta be careful with it because mm -hmm. I can't just blow air out without creating a vacuum in the house. Right. Air has to come back in from right. somewhere. And uh, there's dangers if you use high velocity air like that, there's dangers with your furnace and your hot water heater that you're creating a vacuum and, that, oh, okay. and you don't wanna have that inside of your hot water heater or furnace. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's also weird things like I just didn't think about that with my first tank. I just yeah. bent an air out of the basement and my air conditioner was running 24-7, couldn't keep up. Yeah. I couldn't figure it out. And then I figured out finally in the middle of the summer I opened up my closet and uh, boom, I hit in the face with super hot mega air. Yeah. And it turns out there's a crack in the ceiling and where all the recovery air was coming from was from the attic where the air was all super heated, you know? <laughs> and so I was blowing it out in the basement, creating a vacuum in my house, and the air is coming from the attic in through the house. So my air conditioner couldn't even keep up with all that super heated oh, wow. air that's put in. Jeez. Yeah. Okay, so you're telling me that targeting something between 7.8 and 8.3, targeting a higher end is gonna be beneficial yeah. more so than just letting right. it fluctuate? This is why. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I just, this has turned out to be more nerdy than I thought. I, I know, I know yeah, where you're getting. That's yeah, why I pointed you that yeah. way. But all right, so this is why 8.3 is better than 7.8. Yeah. And you know, it's a little nerdy, so I'll try to like uh, be as uh, easy on this as possible. <laughs> but within the coral's tissue, basically, it's just precipitating out calcium and carbonate. So right. it's pulling calcium ions out of the water and it's pulling carbon or bicarbon ions and it's building a skeleton by putting them together, uh -huh. right? To do that, it needs to maintain a really high pH inside the fluid inside of its tissue so that happens kind of naturally, yeah. right? Yeah, All right, so for whatever reason, it generally prefers bicarbonate. It may be just because that's the most predominant form that's in the tank, but when you split off the bicarbonate, a little hydrogen pops off and the hydrogen is basically acidic. And so it's mm. had the function of building a skeleton is it's releasing all this acid into the water, right? right? Okay, so, uh, or form the hydrogen that can form acids into the water with CO2 predominantly. Mm. Mm -hmm. So it needs to actually get rid of that hydrogen to keep growing, right? And it needs to just pump it through its tissue. You know, and the ba most basic way to talk about it would be it's, you know, literally pumps it through its tissue, but they're probably a different mechanism. Right, right, right. Uh, and due to like kind of uh, pressure in the water, what is gonna happen is if there's tons and tons of hydrogen in the water, it's really hard for it to pump the, uh, the hydrogen out of its tissue into the water. If there's a little bit of hydrogen in the water, it's really easy Super for easy. it to get there, yeah. right? Okay. So the nature of pH is that every pH, there's 10 times as much of uh, uh, hydrogen in the water for every pH. Every full pH point? Every full pH point is huh. 10 times. So this is an exact science and somebody said that uh, the difference between 7.8 and 8.3 is actually three times as much hydrogen. Okay. You might think it's five, but you know, somewhere in there. Somewhere in there. But the difference is three times as many. So if there was a, you know, a million of them, now there's three million of them. Yeah. It's just way harder for it to pump that hydrogen out. Right. So if it's really easy, it'll keep the pH real high inside of its tissue, it'll grow faster. If it's really hard, it will artificially suppress the pH inside mm -hmm. the coral and it will make it grow really 
really slow. It's like me trying to get off a crowded train. Uh, I'm on the train and if there's a ton of people outside, I can't get out. It's hard for me to get out. Yeah. If there's less and less people outside, I can walk right out like a breeze. So the part of this is like some of the stuff we'd call like theoretical, right? right? right, right. Uh, like or anecdotal. This one I mean, is like known science, right? Okay. So this is one that like almost every marine biologist would raise their hand and say, yes, I agree with that statement. That is the way that that works, you know, generally speaking, mm -hmm. right? And you will see faster growth. And most marine biologists will also tell you, you know, in the ocean, a change of uh, pH from 8.3 to 8.2 is like an acidif acidification event and it will have negative consequences on the corals wow. there, right? Like a tiny little change like that, right? Yeah. And there's evidence, lots of evidence that supports that, huh. right? And then, you know, that's like acid rain and you know, runoff and all kinds of different things Jeez. that cause that. But in our tanks, man, we're going from 7.8. Massive you know, swing. Massive swings. <laughs> so it's not necessarily about, you know, like... Uh, can I keep something alive? Because we know we can keep something alive at 7.8. The question is more, can I reduce mortality and increase metabolic health and growth, mm -hmm. right? If I maintain a higher pH, yeah. right? And so it isn't the only story about, can you do it at 7.8? Because we all know you can, yeah. right? Yeah. It's about, can I get like uh, reduced mortality and higher met metabolic health. And hmm. One of the ways to measure metabolic health is to look at you know the organism's growth rate. Right. I won't say that's universally true, but it, it is a good touch point. If the thing is growing uh, faster, it mm. probably is healthier than the one that isn't. Yeah. You know, and not always, but mostly. So would you say that this uh, this sort of applies to all? I mean, so how does this apply to like softies and LPS? LPS are skeletal, they build skeletal structure, so probably applies in the same way that we would SPS. I mean, this conversation was primarily SPS because that's what we were testing on. Probably easier to see changes in growth rates between them by the basing of the corals and just weight alone, but like we're talking like softies or LPS where we're counting heads and growth. And so LPS, it should have the same effect. Same effect. So anything that has a skeletal structure yeah, that's for laying sure. down, uh, you know, the LPS, SPS, just the size of the polyp, right? But yeah. it is laying down a skeletal structure. Should be the same. It should mm -hmm. have an effect in either case. It's, it, it, if you can elevate the pH inside of the coral's tissue, it will be easier for it to free the hydrogen and it will be easier for it to precipitate and grow. Yeah. Will you visually see it is the question. Okay, right? true. So that's the part about all marine biologists agree, but is the juice worth the squeeze? Right? <laughs> you said that yeah. a couple times. I know, I love this like, statement great. all of a sudden. <laughs> all right, so like, if I'm going to go through all the effort of trying to maintain this perfect 3.8, you know, or 8.3 pH, mm -hmm. like, am I going to see it in a way that matters, man? Right, like, right, right. Uh, I, like, if it's like 5% growth, not worth my time. 5%, yeah, yeah. over a month? Uh, absolutely not. If it's worth a hundred percent more growth, and it's worth my time. You're talking about going yeah. from a little frag to a whole colony. Okay, so it's not just half that. the amount of time. hundred percent, it goes from an inch frag to two inches, right? Uh -huh. But in the next hundred percent, it'll go from two to four. Well, this one's still only a two, and the it's next one is to eight, and this yeah. one is only a, you know. So it is exponential, huh. uh, and maybe I butchered that right there, but it, will grow faster all the time. And so the, the chance are that for me getting from one inch frags to a robust uh, tank, if I can do it in half the time, man, I, I will buy, you know, whatever <laughs> it is I need to do that if I got a big investment in those corals, uh -huh. right? Uh -huh. uh, and some of it's really simple, man. I open my windows if 
I needed to, or I'll vent out uh, the skimmer outside. I'll, right. I will do the things that are required to do it if I know what the results are going to be. So what we found today, I think that gets kind of the results here. Yeah. Is we ran this test twice, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and this has been a giant pain in the butt. And we're we, going on like six six months, seven months of total testing on this one alone. Well, no, this one was like three months. I think. Yeah, just over or between three. the two. Between the two, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so the first one, you know, so showed the exact results that we were looking for, which was. A, man, we can measure the alkalinity consumption was about double, yeah. you know, or 50% more, I think it was back then. If you're seeing um, alkalinity consumption and you're not seeing it, like, you know, precipitate somewhere, then it's obviously going into coral growth, right? Yeah, if you're double, if you have a major increase in alkalinity consumption, it is, like, knee-jerk, most cases, it's going to be coral growth. Right. There's some instances where it could be, like, precipitating out in the tank somewhere, but if you don't see any signs of that, probably not that right, right, so right if all of a sudden like every heated element or in the tank isn't suddenly covered in that or you're not seeing it settle out somewhere mm -hmm. it's probably not that especially if you see the corals actually visually matching your expectations of growing faster or yeah. healthier so in most cases I'd say uh, increased alkalinity consumption with any change is a positive sign uh, barring you know anything to do with precipitation right all right so we saw that in that tank, except for we had this weird, like, orange funk that showed up in the tanks yeah, that weird. I just felt like I didn't want to do that experiment. I didn't want to share orange funk experiment. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't know. It was really strange. And so we just said, hey, well, we'll just start it over again, mm -hmm. right? And so we did. And we started over here, and we got uh, 10 different types of corals, two of each, and we weighed them so you can get a, uh, you know, measurement of like how big the coral, or uh, how much they actually grew in mass, right? Mm -hmm. And so it was pretty strong, man. And so these ones grew like 22%, and these ones grew like 29% or something, and it ended up being like 30% faster than yeah. the ones that grew in the high pH. And so these ones are run at 7.8 all the time, and these ones are run at 8.3 all mm -hmm. the time. Yeah. And so, you know, 30% faster, in three months, exponentially uh, put out, and that growth is compounding itself. In a year, is actually pretty close to double the growth rate, right? <laughs> and so we're gonna find out the answer to that actual question, you know, yeah. and, and set up some tanks to show this uh, for an actual year in a more uh, actual tank environment. Right. Uh, you know, get the real answer. You like to evolve these experiments over time. Mm -hmm. but. Yeah, man, so we, that's what we found. We saw it not only in, especially the chalices. So the chalices were probably the big ones. Oh, sure. And then these, uh, some of these stag acros, a lot of these, some of these corals came out of the BRS-160, but specifically the stag ones, uh, they had a base on them. Uh, you can, and you could tell uh, in the video we show it, uh, Ryan and I are showing off corals in there, but one, the entire coral plug is completely covered base-wise on the acros. The other one, the lower pH one, yeah, about three quarters of the way, or, or roughly like that. The chalices, though, yeah. for sure, uh, have a wider uh, growth margin on them. The chalices, man, no question. You can visually see it grew 30% more yeah. than the other ones. They're 30% yeah. bigger, for sure. Yeah. And then uh, the base is the same thing, man, like you said. Mm -hmm. Like, just kind of, the low pH ones just kind of grew over the glue, where the other ones have, like, based out over the whole plug, or, or getting close, right? Yeah. And so, like, it visually, obvious, like, beyond even measuring it, you know? And so, for me, like, you know, the juice here is worth the squeeze, yeah. right? Especially if you can do it in a reasonable manner. So how did we squeeze the fruit to get the juice then? Uh, in this in this case, 
So in this case, we're using CO2 media, uh -huh. right? Which is, you know, you're just hooking up your skimmer to some media that scrubs off all the CO2. And so there's so much gas exchange happening inside your skimmer with all the little micro bubbles, uh, just scrubbing them up, making sure there's more gas exchange happening in the skimmer than there is on the surface of your tank. Yeah. which is probably by magnitude of thousands, right? right? right. And so that will uh, scrub up all the CO2 and raise the element, uh, your pH. And in our case, it actually raises it too much, and so we use a little valve that allows you to mm -hmm. open and close it, like a solenoid valve. But you can also just probably mix it by using two valves, like uh, two little ball valves, like a Murloc valve, okay. and open and close them and just kind of mix it until you get the mix that you're looking for. Right. Uh, and on this one, we just put a little bit of CO2 uh, into the skimmer whenever it was required. To yeah. Because ambient would keep this above 7.8 at times, so we have to inject a little CO2 to keep it at 7.8. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I think uh, with the jumbo reactors here, I, uh, with the two du dual jumbo reactors for each one, I don't think we replace the media very often on this one. Yeah, so that's a good point. Those little 10 inch cartridges, uh, they probably last like a week or so, right? Yeah. Uh, and they're like five bucks a piece or something. You might say, oh man, five bucks a week, that's a lot. <laughs> uh, well, dude, if you got a thousand dollars worth of frags and they're doubling in size, uh, that's the best 20 bucks a month I think you could possibly buy. I don't think there is a place you could put 20 bucks into the tank and have it spit out that kind of results. No, exactly. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, but it's a pain in the butt, right? So they also have uh, larger ones, right? Yeah. And so they hold each one holds like four times as much. So now it lasts a month, right? Mm -hmm. And how long it lasts has a direct correlation to a few different things. One is uh, how big your skimmer is, right? Okay. So if your skimmer is just drawing tons and tons and tons of air, well, it's processing more air and removing more CO2. So if you have a giant skimmer, you probably need a bigger CO2 canister, right? right? If I got eight people and six pets in my house, way, way, way more CO2 in the air than uh, if I don't. If I got, you know, one person and my house is just filled with plants uh, mm -hmm. soaking up CO2 uh, and I got an air uh, exchanger and stuff, man, maybe less so. Also, if I got a fish room that's closed off, yeah. there's probably, there's gonna be some uh, gas exchange you know, through the cracks and whatever, but I'm probably recirculating the air through there in that little fish room and it's probably gonna last a lot longer in that environment and arguably even in a stand, that could be true. Right. I, I, don't, I haven't tested that or anything, but. But then two tests that we could also go as far as, and, and there's people doing it on the reef to reef and one that we planned on doing, which is super interesting is, can you make the media last longer by recirculating the inlet of your CO2 scrubber back to the top of the skimmer? So just internally making this closed loop, semi-closed loop on, on the skimmer. So I won't get too far into that because I got a video that's coming out for it. Uh, Dave's actually shooting it uh, as we speak. Cool. And uh, the recirculating design, there's just a couple issues with it that I'm sure everybody's gonna get past. Yeah. One is it collects water in the bottom, right. uh, but I'm sure everyone will get past that, figure it out. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, that's an option. But it's even better, man, is a lot of people will just run a skimmer, uh, the hose outside, probably yeah. reduce the skimmer performance a little bit if the tube's too long, mm -hmm. but so be it. It's uh, another thing is people will use like your, you know, apex controller or whatnot, just to turn the skimmer on and off to control the pH. Yeah. And you might say, well, I don't want to control my, uh, turn my skimmer off. Well, you know, you got to make a balance there, man. Like it, what's more valuable than maintaining a hyper stable uh, pH uh -huh. similar to the ocean? making it easy on my corals, or that my skin is running 24-7 all the time. And if you have a lot of ways to remove nutrients from the tank, right. 
it's probably the pH that wins. Yeah, for sure. If you're struggling with nutrient, that's probably then the skimmer. Keep the skimmer going. Yeah. You make a good point though, like matching the uh, pH of the natural ocean. So why why 8.3? Why not 8.5? Why not 8.6? Why not 8.7? If I'm getting more growth out of higher pH, why not just keep accelerating? So that's one of the things we don't know, right? Yeah. And like. You know, it's very similar to the elevated element test, you know, where we're running 12 DKH and you're seeing a similar, like, 50% more growth out of those tanks. Those yeah. I can tell you we're running now the, like, actual tank, the year-long experiment, and it's obvious. Like, some of the corals that are, like, this big and the other ones are this big now. Yeah, exactly. And they're giant, right? And they're all basing out. Mm -hmm. This is very obvious visual difference, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, You may not want to keep it that way forever. Like, once they get kind of turned into a tank, you know, a robust tank, you may actually want to scale it down because growth actually becomes your problem at that point. Yeah, true. You, know, you, just you gotta like, prune it. They're starting to prune and then yeah. you know, they all start to get like big stocky looking things and they don't look as, as good when they get that big. Sometimes if you've got them all clustered together. They do if you're, you know, you know, kind of clearing them out and allowing them to create big colonies then, but you, you know, depends on how you, the way you're gonna do your tank. Okay. But if your maximum growth rate is your goal, it could be that maintaining a higher pH, and there really wasn't an option prior to uh, high CO2 media. Right. And I don't know. Like, I have no idea if going above 8.3 is healthy for the corals or not. And that'll take, you know, some of the trailblazers that don't mind getting shot in the back uh, as they, <laughs> you know, learn for uh, the rest of us. And, and maybe we'll do a higher pH as well. But, you know, the real thing is, like, what happens when you start to combine these things? The high alk, which we can see growth. The high pH, which we can see increased growth. And then, like, what if we, like, the trifecta is high pH, uh, high, or high pH, high elevated alkalinity specifically, but maybe elements the rest in general. Of them, yeah. And uh, then, like, you know, amino foods acids. and stuff, like amino acids, ah. nutrients that help build tissue as fast as the coral skeleton is now growing. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one thing about the growing the coral skeleton, but, like, Imagine if your skeleton's outgrowing your ability to grow uh, skin. No yeah, good. true. That's no good. That's what people yeah. think uh, <laughs> some of the reasons for burnt tips and things are. People will claim that, right? Yeah. Uh, so let's grow, let's give the coral what it needs to uh, grow tissue skin as rapidly and as tissue. possible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. So, and that is the next question here, <laughs> actually, man. So, like, uh, another post that I did yeah. uh, over the weekend, man. I saw that one. Was asking people if they'd like to see an amino acid test. Right, uh, and I can just tell you, I have not historically, other than KZ, where we I just followed the method and right. did, did what they told me, and yeah. just a bunch of little magic jars, and the magic jars produce magic, uh, <laughs> and they do. Uh, so it does. I, I generally don't like magic jars, but this in that case, work. it just works. Yeah, man. so true. but there's all these little you know amino acids and stuff that you put in there, yeah. and uh, you know it's not real clear where they are, but like. There's a lot of, uh, you know, anecdotally, there's a lot of stuff that we've heard about amino acids, mostly from like WWC, mm -hmm. who they have, you know, we asked Josh what, you know, what's your remedy for like a, a, a dying coral, dying sore, on the verge of death or like receding type coral, and he's just put it in a tank and slap aminos at it as much as, as high as he can, as hard as he can. Well, I don't uh, know as hard as you can, well, but yeah. <laughs> but within yeah. the dosage amounts, yeah. Oh, uh, like, um, really, man? Like, uh, so you can see instantaneous results like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's amazing, man. Uh, and so I asked him what he uses, and he uses the Brightwell's the Brightwell. Coral Amino. Uh -huh. uh, you know, they have pretty heavy users of Brightwell stuff, so I guess no surprise there. Right. Uh, and then, you know, recently, you know, we added like 8 million tank corals all at once to the uh, 750. 750. Yeah. 
And, you know, within a week, they were kind of looking a little thin, it's man. It's pretty rough. Right? It's pretty rough. And uh, like, huh. You know, and it called up Josh. and like, hey, man, Josh, you know, he's the one that came out and put them all in. Like, Josh, what do you think we should do here? Yeah. Man? He had a couple of pieces of advice. Uh, and, you know, one of them was start dosing the coral aminos. Mm-hmm. And like turn around, dude. I literally, I took like a week off. I came back and I'm like, what happened to this tank? There was like this you said, awesome. yeah. You said there was there was thin tissue, and thin tissue starts to grow like show bare skeleton, and then give a place for like some algae to to grab a hold. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm I'm, in, I'm looking at these corals about a week after Josh came, and there's we're losing tissue, and there's places where algae is growing on these things. And then now I, I walked in here, Josh, uh, local Josh here, uh, and I were looking at the tank, and I was like, well, look at that Satosa. It definitely had brown algae hanging off of it. Now it's gone. It's covered back over in tissue. The tissue literally grew back over some of the hair algae. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm like, it's- wow, man. <laughs> I mean, I've seen that on bigger, healthy, robust corals, but yeah. generally speaking, on a little frag, once it loses some tissue and starts growing uh, uh, hair algae or whatnot on it, like 50 50 man what's gonna happen here right you know, right, you know right. but like uh generally speaking that algae irritates all the tissue pretty mm-hmm. bad mm-hmm. uh and uh you know what man a week later dude boom man it was, it was like I, I couldn't believe it so like that's still anecdotal right right and uh so let's do ag- anecdotal number two which so, is you know a lot of the experiment tanks that we do the corals end up being kind of pale they pale out and, and i'll chalk that up to a couple of things man we a don't have a lot of fish in these things b mm-hmm. they're not like the most stable tanks in the universe because we just set them up right most of them don't have sand uh, and whatnot in them and i'm learning definitely that bare bottoms i will probably I'm going to set up a tank in my house. It'll probably be a bare bottom, but I'm going to acknowledge right at the bat, man, the bare bottoms are a bigger challenge than sand for sure. Hmm. Uh, and, but there's a variety of reasons why that might be in here. So all these corals in here, I would call like fairly pale. Okay. So what we're going to do here is uh, Dave's going to come by and get some video of all of them, uh, or maybe just some pictures or whatnot. We'll mm-hmm. see. Uh, and then we're going to start dosing the Brightwell coral amino every day. Yeah. Right? So these exact corals, and there's a couple of them here, like A, there's three of them here that you'll just see the color. There's also one here that actually has what we're talking about with the algae kind of growing over the skeleton and irritating the tissue. Mm -hmm. Will that one come back, man? Yeah. Just from helping grow tissue faster using the amino acids, if it does, man, I am going to be astounded and we're going to move on to a more controlled experiment, you know, kind of A, B with, with and without and whatnot. But I figure these corals are already up and they're already kind of showing what we're looking for, which is kind of a paler look. Well Can we it. add a richer, deeper color to all these things? Can we make them look like they have a healthier tissue and just from some amino acids and stuff? I have no idea what the result will be. I will tell you anecdotally from the stories that uh, Josh at WWC has shared with us yeah. and our own experiences here with a few different tanks using this stuff. Like, I feel there's going to be a turnaround. Yeah, I mean, this might be another you know, is it juice worth the squeeze, right? <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Man, wow, that really worked, you know? Um, and so for like, you know, some of us like, oh man, I don't really want to dose that stuff every day. So uh, and one of the things we haven't gotten around to is shooting that video that shows you how to make uh, an actual recipe for do-it-yourself fish uh, food. Oh, yeah, true. Mm-hmm. Right? And so what we'll do is uh, create, uh, or what they do is they dump the amino acids right into their fish food. So when they break off a chunk and put it in the tank, 
it's adding the aminos by default. Yeah, it's already in there. Right? It's already in there. There's no additional work or anything to do. It's just like kind of figure out how much, you know, I'm making a batch of food, you know, how long will this last me? And then look at the bottle and it says use a milliliter every day. And you're like, all right, well, I need that much, yeah. you know, to huh. get me 30 days worth, 30 okay. milliliters, right? And, and so uh, just do the math on it. You know, you can do that with all those kinds of foods. Mm -hmm. So I, I just suggest that. But I guess we're gonna see here and uh, we'll just follow it along. I might even take uh, uh, like some Instagram shots. So I think my Instagram just Ryan BRS or yeah. BRS Ryan or whatnot. Yeah. And so I'll try to update it if you guys wanna follow me and see what happens. You might see pictures of the foxes in my yard just as much as the coral, <laughs> but who knows. Uh, uh, so I don't know. Yeah, so are we gonna do a video about that one for this anecdotal test? And then yep. move into it too. So if we see results, so one of the things here is, man, this is so time consuming. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, just to find out one thing, man, like from the initial test has to be at least three months to see any real result. Right. And generally there's two months of planning and, you know, acquisition of corals and, you know, actually even longer than because you got to cycle the tanks and everything. Yeah, so so each one of these tests, man, we got six months of people's time involved just to get them up and they're managing it every day. So I want to make sure that we're testing things that matter. Like if yeah. if this thing shows up one way or another at the end, like there's a legit reason as yeah. to why we did this and what you're going to do with that information. Yeah. Right? So if we're dosing aminos to this and we see no change, probably I'm not, gonna not worth chasing in the next. Yeah. So. Oh, this is the good part too. Yeah. So one of the things I posted in there too was uh, like, what if we did this side by side at home, right? Uh -huh. And so, you know, everything's, everything, some of the best stuff we know from the hobby is anecdotal. Right. Like enough people raised their hands and said, me too, right? Yeah. But one of the things is you, you never know is like, well, how many people would say not me and just not willing to say it? And what's the percentage of the population right. and blah, blah, blah. So one of the cool things I talked to Jeremy over at Brightwell is, hey man, let's send out a whole bunch of bottles to the people over in the hashtag oh, yeah, TV group, yeah, yeah. right? I don't know how many it will be like, right? maybe send out a hundred bottles and uh, you know, people just kind of document their results, you know, and I don't know how we'll select people or whatnot mm -hmm. yet, but That's pretty cool. like, hey, you get a free bottle of this stuff, we'll send it to you and uh, show us your tank in the beginning and then share with everybody what it goes along. So the cool part of that is now if I know it's 100, mm -hmm. and then we can kind of document good results, no results, bad results, yeah. I can actually get you know a percentage of anecdotal. Oh, okay. Like so if 80% of the results are Thumbs like, man, up. I really appreciate the, the, the results out of this. Yeah. That is way more compelling than like three Just, random people on Facebook yeah, saying for sure. I use that. Yeah. And like the, you know, confirmation bias of I bought it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll always have that bias. But <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I think I, I mean, cool. it isn't like scientific uh, actual proof, man. But I will tell you that if I walked up to uh, anything in reefing and of 100 people, 80 people said, yeah, that was beneficial. High chances that it I'm really was. Going. Yeah, exactly. If, if it was 30%, low chance. <laughs> you know, uh, so I don't know. Uh, we're working that with, uh, with uh, Jeremy. We'll see how it goes. Uh, so again, another reason to join uh, hashtag BRSTV because actually I'm thinking that this is valuable for all kinds of things. Oh yeah, right. So uh, actually, Tunes uh, said they were going to do something like that too. So Tunes, yeah, Tunes did uh, some of their. Uh, oh, it's their Tunesy Care product. That um, it's a bacterial supplement type thing. Uh, and you know, Roger over at Tunes said, hey, you know, we'll send you uh, a dozen of these. Send it out to your people with, 
under six months of tank uh, tank life, I guess. So a tank that's been set up for less than six months and was had uh, green hair algae issues in it. Uh, he said if you dose this to your tank following the regimen or what have you, uh, he would see a turnaround and he wanted to put a wager on it. So he just sent us some to send out to Asperger's TV. So I think it's still running. Uh, I have to ask Adam like where, where if he's seen reports on it yet because I think we're about three three weeks into it or so ah, with cool. the people. How so, many did they send out? Uh, we, I think Adam sent out 10 to the Asperger's TV community and then kept two in-house for us to test here on our own. Well, hopefully we get a little bigger sample size than that in the future. But, you're like, that's super cool, man. Like, even 10 people. If all 10 raised their hand, wiped out my hair algae, that is pretty compelling. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, if only two? Mm, <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah, like, the, the manufacturers, they're willing to put themselves out there. And yeah. that, that was actually a cool thing when I asked Jeremy, like, Are you sure you want to do this, man? Like, uh, oh, yeah. he's like, dude. I'm not afraid of anything like that. I'm like, Bravo, dude. He's like he's been with you know? that with almost all of our experiments that we do. Like, do you want Jeremy? Do you want us to test your coral Lazarus calcium reactor media? Do you want us to test yeah. this? You want us yeah. to test that? Yeah, yeah. Throw it in there, of course. Uh, and I'm like, <laughs> uh, hey man, like, uh, do you want us to test uh, your calcium? Because I don't think it's going to be as good as ours. And he's like, it's real. It's real data, man. Yeah, that was a really it. good one. Yeah. It turns out, lucky for him, his magnesium was actually the best of all of them. Yeah, true. Uh, but uh, like, you know, you didn't know that going in. And like, dude, I'm going to share the results, good or bad. Yeah. You sure you want to be part <laughs> of that? Like, I was probably dude. So, uh, and I don't know. You don't get many transparency. I can't really think of many companies. No, not like. Go ahead and test I do it. For real, man, like you sell a lot of, uh, you know, your amino supplement, you mm -hmm. know, could be awesome, could be snake oil, who knows, right? We're gonna find out. Uh, <laughs> and it could be like results that like, yeah, it's beneficial, but the juice isn't worth the squeeze. It right. grows 5% and nobody noticed, yeah. right? Uh, so put that out there and say, I don't care, man, you guys do it the best you can and show the results with the universe. Kudos. I, I mean, that's just super brave. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I don't. I don't know many people that would do that. Cool. All right. Well, hopefully so, we see that. That'd be cool. All right, man. Well, let's answer a couple of these questions and close it out. But yeah. again, man, we found uh, raising the pH. Find a there's a bunch of different ways to do it. We got a bunch of videos coming out about how to raise, how to raise your pH, pH easy. You know, uh, there's several different ways to do it. Some are totally free and absolutely work sustainably. Some are more precise and nerdy. And uh, you know, my preferred method is precise and nerdy. But you know, <laughs> uh, you know either either way. So you know, watch those. Those are coming out, and uh, well, no, but this answers some questions. Cool. Right. Uh, let's just start from the top. All right. Uh, Moises asks, I can't seem to get over 7.98 pH. I have a CO2 scrubber, skimmer line outside, lots of surface agitation. Any advice? Okay. So first thing I'd say is, if you're doing everything that you can and you can't get your pH uh, up, man, make sure that you're testing your probe. Right? Ah, okay. Like, True. And so you don't need to recalibrate your probe. Like don't just like just dip it in. Dip it in the seven pack, the seven point zero one pack, yep. and make sure that you start reading seven point zero one. If it reads seven point zero one, no need to recalibrate. In fact, solved. it's working perfectly as is. You're more likely to screw it up than anything. Yeah. Right. Uh, so put it in the ten, the seven. You could probably. If I was only gonna do one, I guess I'd probably do the seven because it's a little closer, closer. Mm -hmm. uh, to where we are. Yeah, I mean, well, there's anyway, four and ten. They're right pretty the extreme. Almost, yeah. man. So, uh, like, uh, I, I would just do one, but you could do both if you wanted to. Like, one's going to tell me I'm close enough. Yeah. Right? Uh, and then, if it is, then you're good. So, outside of that, man, you have a CO2 scrubber, skimmer, line outside, surface agitation. Mm. 
I think the line outside is potentially competing with your CO2 scrubber, right? Mm. So the scrubber, if you're gonna scrub air, feed your skimmer, I don't wanna add a new source of CO2 from outside. Yeah, you wanna scrub what's in the ambient room versus trying to scrub what's outside. You might be depleting your well, media really fast. Yeah, uh, I mean, this, the ambient room CO2 could still be high, but you're drawing air from outside through the, through the CO2 media. So you're, the CO2 outside may be different than your I, CO2 inside. I try inside. it both ways. So yeah. I would pull it and see if that's the issue. So th there's some instances where a CO2 scrubber won't actually help, right? Uh -huh. One is I got a little itty bitty skimmer on a big giant tank. Okay. If I got sure. a little bitty skimmer on a big giant tank, yeah. then the surface agitation of the tank itself might outcompete the little bitty skimmer, skimmer's okay. uh, air, air exchange. Right. Uh, you know, and then outside there are some chemicals, you know, so like use of Kelkwasser. So Kelkwasser will take the carbonic acid out of the water to help form alkalinity, uh, carbon alkalinity. Uh, two parts they use uh, like sodash and whatnot will uh, bind up the uh, uh, carbonic acid in the tank as mm -hmm. well. And uh, I'm trying to think of what other chemical would work that way. But only things you want to use are things that like are consumed as a normal daily balanced calcium alkalinity additive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I would use like a sodash based two part or a kelkwasser would work. Uh, refugium. A refugium is probably. One, that's my preferred method in, in almost every case if you can, just because it's natural, man, and it solves all kinds of problems yeah. all in one. Right? Yeah, it does. It solves your uh, nutrient, nitrate, and phosphate issues in most cases as long as you light it properly Proper and lighting. it's a you know, reasonable size. Right. Uh, it will also solve your pH issue because the, uh, the uh, algae is actually uptaking the carbon, uh, carb CO2 right from the water mm -hmm. as part of its normal respiration. Yeah, microfauna and, life and mm -hmm. habitat and oh, yeah, things like that. Copepods yeah. and all kinds of different things. Uh, it, there's so many beneficial elements of a refugium that like that being my number one way. It's also adjustable. Uh, you know, you can adjust the performance of your refugium to meet your pH or nutrient needs. Uh, I mean, they're kind of tied to each other, so maybe not independently, but you can adjust for one of those things right. by adjusting the intensity of your light, yeah. right? Yeah. So turn the intensity of my light down, I will reduce the rate of photosynthesis, I will reduce the rate of uh, nitrate and phosphate uptake, I will reduce the amount of CO2 uptake. Yeah. Right. So I can kind of adjust it that way. I can also adjust it with photo period. You know, like if I, you know, was on ten hours a day and I shut it down to five, I'm probably going to uptake roughly half. You know. Right. I mean, it might not be the exact math there, but like, you know, somewhere in that ballpark. <laughs> so refugium would be my number one way. Uh, if you're had not, if you're not having good luck with, with that, the one thing I would do, man, is you know, the two things here, almost, I, I guess, the three things is. If you're doing everything and the pH isn't working, it's probably your test kit or your testing methodology. Not always, but a lot often when everything defies all known science, it's usually the testing method. Right. Uh, if you know that your alkalinity is spot on, that is a, the number one thing. It, don't think about it past that. It's just like somewhere between you know your common methods of seven and twelve. Yeah. Right? And twelve being pretty high, but. Uh, if it's in there, then you don't have to worry about alkalinity as being your issue. And the next thing is literally, man, open up all the windows in your house for the See day, if that works. right? And if oh, open up all the windows in your house and that Massive. solves your problem, 
that is it, and you just need to think about CO2 now, yeah. right? And you can think about CO2 as media, you can think about it as a refugium, you can think about it as chemicals, kelkwasser, or two part. Sweet. Right. Next one. Uh, does, how does alkalinity correlate with nutrients? Well, so, I mean, this is like about as anecdotal as it gets. And <laughs> this one, this argument, man, is like mostly won by the people of uh, feels right. Right. You know, if it sounds plausible, it must be true. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, like, one of those things is high alkalinity will allow your corals to grow fast and it may not be able to keep up the tissue growth as fast and uh, you'll get burnt tips burnt and tips. whatnot. Right. Yeah. And so, when, when you say nutrients, I'm just going to assume that you mean like all the nutritional elements for a coral, not just nitrate and phosphate or Different phosphorus things. and nitrogen or just like. You know, components of the whole thing. There's right. a much bigger picture than that, and so you know, you're talking about your amino acids and all kinds of you know, carbohydrates and other things that you know go into the energy and uh, what makes up actual coral tissue. Mm -hmm. So you're building protein. So that's the best way that WWC says it is protein. like I'm not worried about nitrogen and phosphorus and you know whatever. I'm worried about protein input. And yeah. like the amino acids are, you know, broken down protein. So uh, when you're talking about nutrients, that's what I talk about. So that sounds good. My corals are growing so fast, they, they can't grow tissue enough. If I add nutrients in, they'll grow enough tissues, and that's right. why I got burnt tips. The problem with that is there's so many people out there that have had the opposite, you know, interaction. Mm. It's just like when I raise the flag in the room, you know, and it, you can't see this. If I if I showed you a room full of a hundred thousand people, and I said, "How many of you have burnt tips and have a high alkalinity and low nutrients?" You know, two thousand people raise their hand, and uh, in that room, I'd say, "Oh, well, ninety-eight percent of you said no." Yeah. Right? If two thousand people in a forum though raise their hand, it sounds like overwhelming yeah, evidence like that this happening. must be true, and it's got a really plausible reason as to why. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying it's not true because it very well could be. I'm just not convinced that the relationship there is the is the way that everybody describes it. I'm also not convinced that the relationship, because most people are talking about nutrients in relation to phosphorus and nitrogen only, which is like just this tiny piece of the total puzzle, uh, and I think just misses the entire boat of talking about we're building protein here, right, man. Right, right. Uh, you're just missing the whole thing. So if we talk about it more robust, I, I think we'll get to the answer to that. But you know, in general, a lot of SPS tank owners think that you need to have higher, you know, amounts of nutrients to keep up with the alkal higher alkalinity. If you have lower alkalinity, you can get away with lower nutrients because it's growing slower. Mm. Sounds good, maybe true, maybe not. Uh, something we might be able to get into and we explore this amino acid thing and yeah, or something. So you know, it's really hard to maintain in, a, in an experiment environment perfect yeah, nitrogen exactly. and phosphorus levels, yeah, you tough. know, like over periods of many months. Uh, <laughs> it's very difficult to do that, especially because like the nitrogen test takes 20 minutes to do. Right. Know, and that's just the, like the actual thing probably takes 35 minutes yeah. after cleaning the vials and everything afterward. Yeah. So like it's really time consuming to do, but it's possible we'll do that. Mm. Uh, what's the next one? Will acros thrive when you up the pH? I mean, thrive is an interesting word. Uh, it certainly looks like they'll grow faster. Yeah, you know, I mean, and that would match most marine biologists' perception. I'll say they visually, measurably, uh, all grow faster when you maintain a proper pH. And so I'll scratch the up and say, 
What I do believe and uh, I think to be true at this point is if you maintain a stable 8.3, which yeah. is uh, stable in the ocean, you will see actual results in metabolic health of the coral and it'll grow faster as well. So From, uh, yeah. it's not that you can't do it. Again, man, you can let it fluctuate between 7.8 and 8.3 and most things will live through that. Yeah. Uh, there's a difference though between thrive and live. True. This is getting kind of like an old statement, but you know you can make for your own decision. Like the difference between a bag of meow mix and a <laughs> bag of uh, blue buffalo yeah. and a ground up chicken uh, frozen uh, or raw. Like my cat will we'll live, live in all three. Yeah. Right. One of them will probably live for 20 years. One of them will probably die of kidney disease inside <laughs> of uh, 12. You know who knows. So just the fact that they survive is the bare bare minimum. Most of the corals will survive at 7.8. Right. And one of the things that all the pros will tell you is uh, corals just die sometimes. Oh, yeah, And true. nobody knows why. Yeah. And it may be uh, kidney disease. No, I mean, <laughs> not, not really that. But, like, it may be, you know, like a, uh, like a variety of un unknown yeah. reason, man, why it just weren't, you know, it was just fighting and struggling for bare minimum of health. And if you maintain optimal health, it will grow optimally like it does in the ocean. Yeah. So there you go. Cool. Next one. Two questions about the dual jumble CO2 scrubbers that we have connected to the systems behind you. Uh, do you hear noise from the inlets of the air being sucked in? And how often do you add water to keep the containers humid to prolong the media life? Okay, so on those uh, big ones, man, uh, I don't actually hear air whistling through them because they're pretty big ports and they're usually yeah. muffled at the actual skimmer. Uh, I have heard it in a smaller one before, like you can hear a draw of air, but even then not. I think if you like put your ear up to it maybe, but not in a way that would be over normal tank mm -hmm. noises. Uh, and uh, the nice thing about the big ones is that, so for those of you who don't know, if you put a little water in there and keep it moist, the media actually works better and works longer. Uh, it's basically just car, it's just uh, calcium hydroxide in there and if it's dry, it, it promotes a, a reduction in the reaction. Mm. If it's wet, it promotes the reaction better. So a lot of people just put some water in there to keep the water, you know, the air somewhat moist. I've also heard of people like running through a bubbler, you know, oh, okay. and so like prior to the unit, you'll actually put, you know, like a little container with a straw going into some water and it'll, and so uh, in that instance you know keep it moist all the time but with the big ones there's two kind of cool things about the big ones the big ones have uh, a lot more water that you can put down in there. yeah there's a the space but underneath space the, under it mm -hmm. versus the probably put container. a cup or some or two yeah. of water yeah. in there instead of a handful of tablespoons mm -hmm. the other part is that it actually has a little screw valve on the bottom mm -hmm. so like if you actually got too much water in there for whatever reason, maybe you're running recirculating, just catching water, water in there. You actually just unscrew the little knobby on the bottom and the water will drain right out. Yeah. I've actually heard of people using that knob to pump some water in periodically. Now that you gotta be really in tune because you don't wanna like <laughs> flood it into the, into the media. Yeah. But like uh, I've heard people do that, you know, uh, uh, as well. So uh, hopefully that answers your question, Nick. Cool. Yeah. Uh, which which is the best probe testing for pH? Which is the best probe? So, you know, most of the probes are gonna be accurate. If you can get it to, you know, measure to, you know, match the little pouch, man. Yeah. It did. Yeah. Right? And so I'm, I haven't like researched this in, in a long time, but there, we actually have videos on the differences between many of these mm -hmm. probes. Mm -hmm. 
And really what you're looking at is longevity, not necessarily accuracy. Because out of the box, they're all gonna be accurate. Right. And then, you know, longevity from, from there on. Like how often do I need to calibrate it? You know, how often do I need to replace the whole thing? And that's where it starts to get further and further. And without getting too nerdy on it, a double junction probe lasts way, 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 way longer than a single junction probe. And the reason for that is I believe there's potassium silver or something, something uh, yeah. in the in the top one uh, between the junction. The junction's like a little rubber or silicone seal inside there, at least in the good ones, it's yeah. silicone. And so uh, it keeps all that up there. And what will happen is in a tank environment, which is pretty polluted, organics will wake their way in there and it would precipitate out uh, mm -hmm. inside the probe but by creating that second junction point it's really really hard for enough organics to make their way mm -hmm. up there to follow the probe so it's just another rubber seal that you know basically there's a, a loop there's a little reference probe inside the probe and then the little bulb on the outside right. it creates an electrical current you know loop yeah and uh, you know, it just keeps that internal probe free of uh, things that would follow it, mm. follow it. Outside of that, there's a bunch of other things that make one probe better than another, uh, like how thick the cord is, right. is it shielded from, uh, you know, electrical uh, inter interference, does the BNC cap, man, like have a, uh, like a cap on it that prevents it from getting bent and yeah. uh, you know, like, you know, any cord, anybody who runs or does any kind of electrical thing for a living will tell you bending the cord is the number one failure on all of those types of things. <laughs> so I'll just yeah. share like ours, the BRS ones we sourced, like most things that we source, we're looking for more, better, less, you know, otherwise it's not really worth doing it, we'll mm -hmm. just sell somebody else's. And so in that case, uh, the we probes are made in the USA instead yep. of uh, Asia. They uh, use Altem, uh, 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 junctions inside the, each of the junctions, mm -hmm. which is a true electrical uh, conductor, instead of these like little ceramic pegs that get clogged. Mm. So like one of the like doesn't really in a more clear fluid, the little ceramic peg, you know, lasts a long time. But for purposes in an aquarium, 30. the little ceramic peg gets clogged with stuff uh, yeah. more rapidly. So you know, there's a variety of different things. Uh, ours are made out of an Ultem. Uh, or the junction actually is Pellon strip. The outside is called Altem, and it's like in, in, inert to uh, like you know most chemicals. Right. Where uh, you know the cheaper ones, or, or basically every other one out there is just polycarbonate. So, a one probe to the next, man. Like it's just about I don't want to you know like calibrate it more often, or and I don't want to replace it. it. Yeah. And so the big thing that you're gonna like have to decide here is does that even matter? You know, because you know prior to me. It didn't really matter, man. As long as I was in 7.8 or that range or whatever, like I only used it to tell me something catastrophic yeah. went bad. Like, yeah, so I didn't need to spend a whole lot of money on my probe because it's just telling me a yeah. monitoring thing. If but it's it, off by 0.1, yeah. like, but per, per precise control, like a calcium reactor, when I'm really in, uh, important on what my pH is and that it lasts not and doesn't fail catastrophically, uh, then I'm going to spend more money on my probe. I will tell you this, that like the... If you're gonna use it to control any pieces of equipment mm -hmm. uh, for accuracy, get a good probe and uh, maintain it. Meaning maintain it, 
open up one of those little dollar packets, stick Check it in it. there, make sure it reads the number. If it doesn't, yeah. calibrate it. Right. You know, but like if you're gonna do it, uh, if the pH is on your calcium reactor, it's gonna control the concentration of that fluid. Yeah. So it changes with one tenth. It's less or more concentrated. Mm -hmm. and you're changing the calcium alkalinity. So it's important to maintain it. If you're gonna use the pH thing to open and close solenoids on your CO2 uh, regulator That's an important or whatnot, one. it's important. And if that thing goes way off, it's gonna like really increase the CO2 or the pH or decrease the pH in my tank. Yeah, it matters. Man. Yeah. So in that case, I'm gonna spend the buck, yeah. and, you know, a month to make sure that it actually works and replace it, uh, or at least every other month mm -hmm. or whatnot. Uh, it takes a, I mean, what does it take? A minute? Yeah. You know, I mean, like it's temperature acclimated, drop the pouch in there for like a couple minutes, come back, open it up, put it in there. Done. Yeah, so in, in those cases, man, yeah. uh, so the best probe, man, I'll just openly say, I think that the BRS probes uh, are the best ones that are available inside the aquatics industry. And uh, I'd be really hard pressed if anybody said as to why a different one was better. I would like to know what information was used <laughs> to come to that conclusion because you personally source these ones out yeah too. the only reason i'd say is that uh, people would say i used it and it was good not good enough yeah like, what is the real reason yeah, uh, yeah and there's a lot of real reasons as to why these ones uh, are the best and we already went through yeah. so all right what's the next one uh what ph is too much well uh, i would say man 8.3 is the right number yeah. and uh like uh after that you can start to test it. Yeah, I don't know. Play you around. Know, I would say I'd be concerned after uh, 8.5, uh, man, that something is going to go wrong. Right. You know, uh, I can tell you that I've overdosed kelp washer to the tank, and all the xenia like melted instantaneously. Crabs flipped over and died. Right. Luckily, all <laughs> the other corals lived uh, through that thing because I was able to raise the or lower the pH rapidly. Mm. But like. I mean, it, there is too high. More is not better, man. This yeah. isn't uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. horsepower. Man. The right <laughs> number is better. Cool. All right. uh, how often should you calibrate your pH probe? You kind of hit on this one just a minute ago, but like, if it's serving a, uh, an important function, uh, testing it to make sure that it's calibrated is pretty important. Uh, you know, I, so for the calcium reactor test that I'm doing, before I start a new test, I'll check to verify the, that it's calibrated properly. And I mean, it, like you said, the, the dollar per pack or less than a dollar per pack, as soon as it's off uh, is when I'm going to calibrate it. Like if it's not reading 7.01 or 7.00 as I'm in that solution, then I'm just going to run a calibration test again. And I've already got the pack open, ready to go. So that's a good point, man. This is the part that I would love to get across about this, is what prevents people from calibrating their probes is the fact that like, oh man, I gotta like dip it in there and then I like gotta go run Push the thing the and blah, 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 blah. And like, I don't wanna do that. Especially if it's already good enough. Yeah. You know? So the message here is not calibrate your probe every month, six months or a year. It's test it for accuracy every month or two. Calibrate right? it when needed. Put it in a dollar probe, takes 30 seconds to do uh, you know, maybe it's getting shorter by the, every time I say it. it. Takes like a minute or two to do. It's pretty you short. Know, throw it in the little thing. If it reads the right number or close enough for you, take it out, put it back in the done. tank, rinse it, and put it back in the yeah. tank. Like done. You don't have to go through the calibration steps, right? It's only when you put it in there and say, "Oh man, that's, that's terrible." Way off. Yeah. Uh, like then, yeah. Calibrate like, it. Uh, so that's the big message, man. Here, just test it every once in a while. Spend the buck. And in fact, you know, one of the things I would definitely do was when you're spending the buck. Uh, probably mm -hmm. spend 10. 
yeah. right? Buy five of each one. Oh, yeah. You know, because, like, there's nothing more frustrating than, like, screwing it up or something. And, like, the thing only costs a dollar. <laughs> and now i got to, like, a wait a week to get a new yeah, one, true. man. That's just not true. So, yeah, I mean, spend the five bucks for the year and get them all at once, you know. Calibrate okay. it when you need to. There you go. Cool. Uh, is that it? Uh, one oh. more. Uh, Reef dudes, David wants to know what's uh, what about LPS? Is there any negative? Are there any negative effects to uh, with elevated alk? Well, I think uh, I'm writing the update for our high and low alkalinity BRCV investigates as we speak. I should have it finished today, so we'll be shooting that for maybe next Friday. You get a visual side by side reference. There's Euphilia in there. There's yeah. Acans in there. There's Duncan's. Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff in there. Then they don't. So look they don't look affected negatively. To answer your question, uh, the last time I looked, which is probably a couple weeks ago, to, like we really sat down and inspected it, I would say of the 30-ish corals that are in there, 27 or so of them look a lot better in the high alkalinity tank mm -hmm. than, the, or I should say all elements, but I think the alkalinity is the one that matters the yeah, most in this right. equation. Uh, you know, like you can up your calcium from 420 to 460, but all I did is raise the 10%. If I raised my alkalinity from 8 to 12, That's, I upped it 50%, yeah. you know? So I don't think 10% more availability of calcium is gonna make a dramatic difference. Right. Upping something that's already pretty limited in the water, uh, you know, seven times less of it in the water than calcium, yeah. uh, and upping that 50% availability, it's probably what's causing the growth. And yeah. it's just my opinion. Uh, but I think most people would agree with that statement. So, yeah. Yeah, I should have some side-by-side mm. -side visual references from one take to the other, and you get to make your own decision so on that. So we're about three months into that thing, yeah. and uh, I'll say, you know, the real results for me will be the year mark. Yeah. Right? Uh, and so... Where you can, like, set the whole tank side-by-side -side and like, dang, or... Boom. Yeah. Like, and I think the reference point to me will be, all right, so one of these looks like this, one looks like this, is a juice worth a squeeze here. In this case, like maintaining elevated elements is like not... It's dosing more or dosing There's less? There's not much, not much juice to squeeze. You know? <laughs> like, it's pretty easy to do. Yeah. So you can look at it and decide, man, hey, which one would I like to do? Uh -huh. uh, and in that environment, man, I would say if it's like at a year, like, hmm, well, that one kind of looks bigger. Not worth it. Not worth it. Yeah. Like I'd rather maintain elements I know are safe and you know, right in the mate, in the middle, where I can go off a little bit by yeah. accident, you know, which will happen to everybody, uh, mm. and be safe. You know, I'm right at 12, man. I screw up a little bit by three dkh. I'm at 15. Yeah, that's you know, huge. Like, if I'm at eight and I screw up by three, I'm at uh, you know 11, which is still inside of a safe range. You know, so yeah. like I just most people I think should be running in that middle range. But if in the initial you know, if you're a pro reefer, you got a lot of experience managing these things, and you want your tank to grow out fast, man, there's some plays, ways to put some, uh, you know, gas on it. And so at the year mark, that gas to me means like, holy cow, man, look at that one. Yeah. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> you know, like, uh, that should be the, uh, like, uh, yeah. you know, response to the whole thing. Yeah. And at three months, there's a couple corals that are looking like it's going to, it, it might be that way. Uh, Green Slimer in particular yeah, is is one that it's gonna be a watch for that one. It's gonna yeah. be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so, hey, last little cool. bit here, man, before we close out, uh, is they were giving away a Trident. So if you Ask got an Apex and you want a Trident, which is 
Everyone. Everybody. Yeah, yes. I don't know who wouldn't want one. We've got one sitting here in house waiting for this giveaway. So yep. there's one in a box right now as we speak. So all you gotta do is uh, join the Facebook group hashtag Aspiers TV. So just search for that in Facebook hashtag Aspiers TV. This post and is at the top. There's a post that's pinned to the top. Uh, I think you just comment or something in it. Comment, and, like uh, on it. Good to go. You're in. Go. You're in. And uh, better yet, there's seven or thirteen thousand people. Seven thousand a day help other people with questions about their tank. Yeah. I posted two of them the other day. Man, both of them got two hundred answers. Man, and Tons people really nailing it in their experiences on this stuff. Super awesome. And four days left, man. So so far we're giving away twenty six thousand seven hundred forty three dollars. It's $27,000 almost. <laughs> There's four days left. Wow. We're giving away four orders a day. If you find one of these guys in your order, man, your order is essentially free. There We're going to give you points back to your reward, your uh, account. All you got to do is join uh, the Preferred Reaper thing, which is free. All you got to do is uh, create your account if you already have one. Just go click. Uh, it says, like, rewards on yeah. it. There's banners all over the place, man. Preferred Reaper, On the website. Up. You join the Preferred Reaper, hit one button, and you're in. And uh, then, if you're smart, Go add $500 or more worth of stuff to your wish list because uh, we are giving away one wish list every day until the end of the month as well. I know we're going to do it. I mean, you doubted me when I said we were going to give away $30,000 this month. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. true. And true. I certainly didn't tell accounting close. that it was going to be $30,000 or I probably wouldn't have gotten approved. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> we're now already we're, into it. Now we're in, man, the ship is sailed, man, do what you can. Uh, so we gave away 30, we're going to give away 30 grand. And uh, so make sure, just add 500 bucks worth of stuff to your, your wish list. Never been easier to figure out what you might want. Chance to get and in. Try to. Gift cards. Be a preferred uh, reefer. I don't know, man. Be for a reefer. End uh, of story. I mean, you can put stuff in your wish list as not a preferred reefer, but you just put yourself out of the pool. And you want to be a preferred reefer anyway. It's free. Like, it doesn't cost you anything. You know, for instance, actually, they had a, a May sale, and like it was kind of cool because you know I sent out a little email to a lot of people saying thank you for uh, you know being part of our journey and whatnot here. Oh, yeah. uh, really, man, like sharing reefing with everybody here has been like. Probably outside of my children and my wife, the best personal journey that I've ever had, uh, sharing all kinds of uh, really super fun information about reefing. I mean, just getting as nerdy as you possibly can. Like, the, you guys give me my dream job, man. I get to, you know, like dream up all this stuff and like we just talk about it all day long, every day. And so I thought I'd send out a personal little welcome to uh, anybody who has had an account with us in the past and, you know, bought something in the last couple of years. Uh, personal, you know, join uh, yeah. preferred reefer. So hopefully, if you got that email, uh, thank you again. Uh, and uh, uh, if you didn't, you can still just go join anyway. But uh, I yeah. just wanted a personal invitation to the people that really have been part of the community for so long. And uh, cool. cool enough, it's the day after, man. Uh, I didn't even know that uh, the May sale was starting. Oh, yeah. And then the preferred reefers got to do it a day early. Man. Oh, that's true. Right? Yeah, so, if you're a preferred reefer, you if we have a sale going on Sunday or Monday or that weekend, preferred reefers get a little preview sale uh, the day before. So you get it in there and get your discounts right uh, off the bat. And the other thing, man, I'm almost certain cool. we're going to do is, I mean, these things don't come along all the time, but things like when the Trident, they come out, preferred reefers first. Oh, that's cool. You know, uh, you know, at least or some allotment to prefer for prefer reefers first. Yeah. Right. Uh, because man, again, they're the most engaged people in our community, and you know, they're the people that are helping out the reefers the most, and so you know, it's just like a good way to give back to the people yeah, that sure. are given already. Cool. Yeah. 
All right, awesome. We will see you next week. This time uh, it will be on Monday as planned. And the giveaway will be over by then. So Yeah, you'll not you'll have to hear any more about <laughs> Mr. Chili's 15-year anniversary or, or all the money that we're giving away. So get away. in now while you can. All right, all right see you guys. Next week. Take care.